Hey there, Super Sober Heroes. It's your host, Sober Steve, the podcast guy. And before we jump into today's episode, I want to take a brief moment to ask for your help to shape the future of gay A. Over the years, this podcast has grown and evolved as I've grown in my sobriety. And recently, I've been investing wild amounts of time, money, and energy to find ways to level up this podcast so it can get heard by the people who need to hear it. I want to take a brief moment to check in with all of you, though, to see what you love about the current show and what could be better as I'm growing and moving forward. In the show notes is a three to five minute survey for you to complete. I kindly ask that you pause this episode and take the time to complete it if you haven't already. You are kind enough to give me 20 to 40 minutes of your time each week when you listen to these episodes, and I want to make sure it's time well spent. So please let your voice be heard. Thanks, SoberPod, and enjoy the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Gay A, a podcast about sobriety for the LGBT plus community and our allies. I'm your host, Steve Bennett-Martin. I am an alcoholic, and I am grateful for the amazing sushi I just had for dinner this evening. <laughs> As of this recording, I am 450 days sober, and we're welcoming back previous guest, Scream Queen and friend of the pod, Brandy Joe. Welcome back. Hello, Steve. Oh, my God. It's so good to be back, as always, and happy belated birthday. Thank you. Belly button birthday. Thank you so much. (laughs) And what's been new in your life since our last episode? Oh, my gosh. I think the last time we met was like right before summer, maybe, Mm -hmm. I want to say. So I produced or directed this fun show called You've Got Mail that was like a gay rom-com musical parody mashup, Mm -hmm. which was a lot of fun. And then this a couple weeks ago, I went on uh, AA men's kayaking trip. That is, it's the fourth year in a row I've gone. I went like the first sober summer I had, and I've gone every summer since. And it's really cool. I mean, there's only two gay boys among all of us, so it's like was very scary at first, like being around a bunch of straight guys. That always kind of freaks me out. But they're really cool guys. It's fun to kayak, and I went with a friend that I was able to reconnect with. We've just we had sort of you know a length of time where we didn't talk, and it was a good chance for us to like rekindle our friendship. And he just means a lot to me, so it was a really good chance for us to do that. And we we stay in a tent together and drive together, and so yeah, it was just you know sobriety bringing people together. That's awesome. And also one thing that's been new is I created a Patreon page and you were the first person to join. What made you decide to join the Patreon family? Oh my God. Well, I was listening to your episode. You mentioned that you had one and I, I was in my car driving, listening. And as soon as I got home, I pulled it up and I, I subscribed because I know I say every time I'm on here, but I admire you. I look up to you so much. And I think you do so much for our community. And it was like the least I could do. Plus, like the more I can hear of these episodes and these guests, the better. So I love that after the show, there is an additional episode. It's like a, a bonus. And I love that. And it's just a chance to dig in even more with the people you talk to, which is just so cool. So, I mean, it's a way for me to say thank you to you and for me selfishly to get more out of what you what you do. Excellent. And what, 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 I, not to toot my horn, but like what, what, what a bonus content have you really enjoyed so far? 
Let's see. It was after your GSM. Yeah. That that was the main one that I've listened to. And then I've started a few other ones that got sidetracked. But that one, that episode all around was really cool. I really, it makes me want to go so badly. I really want to check that out. I immediately, after that episode, bought two of their fans. Well, the one I wanted to buy, they didn't have. So they just sent me a different one. And I was like, oh, I really didn't want this one. So then they sent me a different one. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted the one day at a time, I think, or keep coming back. Yeah. That's the one I wanted. And they sent me at any lengths and i didn't like that was like my last choice yeah so i was like oh and then they sent me the one that said sober bitch so i took both of those sober bitch and any lengths to our kayaking trip and let me tell you the straight man got a good little chuckle out of our rainbow gsm sober bitch fan <laughs> i'm sure they did and coming back why did you choose to pick the topic of marriage you know, I, cause I mean, I've been with my husband, like we've been together almost 20 years and, you know, we've been married for 12 and it just, you know, he's a huge part of my life and was a huge reason for me to get sober and has been an integral part of me staying sober. So I just thought that that would be a really good topic to talk about and touch on because it's, it's very important in my life. Yeah, well, let's dive into it then. Why don't you tell me what your kind of dating up to your marriage was like? Sure. So my husband and I met in San Diego. We were doing these porn star plays, as they're called. The, the titles were like, 10 Naked Men, Sleeping with Straight Men, Making Porn. They were these silly comedies that they'd get... A, a, porn star or two to come out and be in them and you know people would pay a dramatic amount of money to come see like you know at the time matthew rush was like the big porn star to come see like matthew rush in a play called making porn and of course he would get naked and swing his dick around a little bit so joe had been touring with this company for a while and then i sort of hopped in kind of to take his place but we ended up meeting in San Diego, and I immediately had a huge crush on him. And it took him a couple of weeks to realize his, that he had a, an attraction for me as well. And then we were together two weeks, and then we got sent out on the road together as a couple sharing a one-bedroom sublet in an apartment. It was like make or break it, and we were together 24-7. So it was like, okay, this is either going to work or it's going to you know, crash and burn. And and it worked. And he's from the Detroit area and he wanted to come back here and he wanted to start a little gay theater because there wasn't anything like that here. And I was like, well, I'd rather do that than go back home to Wyoming. So can I like tag along? <laughs> and we came back here to start a theater that took a few years, but now that's been going. We're in our 16th season. And, and yeah, so we've been together a while. We were together seven years and I really wanted to get married. And so it wasn't legal yet in the country, but that I didn't care about that. I just, I want it to be like this thing where we make it like official and we have a big party, a celebration of our partnership. And we did this show, this Christmas show together where it was just the two of us and we each had like one part. And then we did a curtain call, like a bow together. And I told all of our friends and our family that were local that I was doing this and they all bought a ticket. So like there was like a hundred people out there in the audience of people that, knew us and loved us and all knew I was going to propose. And at the end, he normally did this little speech and I sort of like hijacked it. And then I was like, can I have something else to say? So I got down on one knee and asked him to marry me. And then I put the engagement ring on the wrong hand and whatever. And then like a year later, maybe not even about eight months later, we got married in our theater and it was just like a production. I mean, we uh, did a, a dance to start things off, like a dance to walking on sunshine, not like, you know, some slow thing, but it was all choreographed with like our friends and we had people singing songs and doing monologues from movies. And 
it was just a, a gay old time. It was it was a really, really special day and just sort of simple and and fun, just kind of like we are. We're not real big lavish queens. We it doesn't take much for us to to enjoy the best out of life. Yes, <laughs> certainly not. But but with that, how did the drinking and drug use affect your marriage? Well, you know, when we first got together, I was about six months off of a crystal meth like binge that I had done in Chicago. And I sort of was like, I need to take a break from like hard drugs for a while. And so that's when I met him. And I sort of was honest about that. But when we got together, I was a big stoner and I I was a stoner for all, like the whole time we were together, truly, and I would I was the partier. Like I would be the one to to go out to the parties to you know close and lock the night, lock the doors at the end of the night when we'd have them at like our theater and things like that. And he was more the type to stay home and like read a book and go to bed early. And so I was the party kid, and he was okay with that. But like once I got into like my Adderall addiction, which was when I went to grad school. I mean that was I don't know good. 12, 13 years into our marriage. And I started doing Adderall a lot to like deal with, you know, all the schoolwork and my my workload and everything. But then of course it turns into like so many other things. You don't really focus on those things. You're, you know, you you get sidetracked and essentially was just like turned into a speed freak again. And so I just retracted more and more because I didn't want him to know about these secrets I had. And I didn't want him to know any of the stuff that was going on with me that I was staying up for three days and things like that. And so I just retreated and then it got worse and worse. I quit my job and I didn't tell him. And, you know, I, I started staying at the theater more and more because it was just a way for me to like pull away from him. And I felt less guilt for not paying the bills and things like that because I wasn't staying at home, which I mean, is ridiculous, but like somehow in my mind, I I made it make sense there. And I also just retracted from a lot of people in my life when I had, because my, my heavy usage, my heavy drug usage was like a whole, like with people that weren't my friends. Like it was with, you know, no one that was close to me knew what was going on. And so I would, I would hide it. I would hide it. And one way to do that was to just stay as far away from people as possible. So I, as much as I could, I would not be around my husband because I didn't want to tell him what was going on. He knew there was something happening, but he didn't know what. And so it, you know, on a legal, not a legal sense, but on a financial sense, it really affected us because I just wasn't doing my part. Our, our relationship has always been built around over each of us paying half of everything. I get a meal, you get a meal. We split the bills down the middle. Like that's how we've always been. And all of a sudden I was just sort of putting all the burden on him. And I never looked at myself as a selfish person. Like I would be the last word I would use to describe myself, but I look back at my behaviors and like, I was so incredibly selfish and I wasn't realizing it. I just, I was just knee deep in it. And then it turned into crystal meth because Adderall and crystal meth are very similar beasts. If like you don't need Adderall, they're, they just, one can so easily turn into the other. And so I just, I, I really retracted from him. I kept things from him and I didn't contribute to our relationship. And I, you know, I didn't, I didn't look to him for our friendship because I was just, that was like what always the glue to our relationship was like what good friends we were, what good friends we are. And, and I really just pulled away and it was, it was, it was sad. It was, it was a really dark time. 
Yeah, and how did he respond when he finally found out about everything that was going on? And like, how was that transition from having the problem to getting sober? So I had some friends who sort of pulled me aside eventually. And this was, I, I kind of was like, a, I turned back into a meth head for maybe like a couple of months. And I had like one like truly bad month where I was doing it a lot. And then I had some friends who sort of were like, are you okay? Like, do you need help? And I I, talk, I think I've told this story on previous episodes, but like, I knew that I did. I had the wherewithal to know if I didn't do something now, I was going to lose everything. I was going to lose my theater. I was going to lose my husband. I was going to lose the life I had here in Detroit. I would lose my, my family back home in Wyoming. I would just lose everything. I just knew that somewhere inside me, like I felt it. And so when I had some people say like, do you need help? Like, we know there's something going on. I just had the honesty to say, like, I do. And I think it helped, like, because Joe, my, my husband is Joe. And there were multiple times he was like, what's going on? Like, he knew there was something, but, like, I just, I could not tell him. And there was just something, I think, in these two friends who just sort of were like, hey, what's going on? We know something's horrible. Do you need help? Like, there was just something in in that delivery from them that just made and it might have just been that moment i just reached that peak where i was like i gotta i mean i remember prior to this there was an episode where i was up for like seven days straight like i mean things were not good Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and so when they said that i was like yeah so i went away to a rehab like three days later i was at a rehab center again i wasn't i didn't call joe and say hey i'm gonna go away to rehab i was scared. I didn't want to tell him I was a speed freak. I didn't want to tell him how bad things were. And so my friend, the mutual friend who sort of, you know, was like, well, my brother's been in rehab. I know how to connect you and I know how to get you in. And he called Joe and said, you know, he's going to go to rehab in a couple of days. Can you like go take him to find out where he's going to go? And so Joe took me to rehab. I was there a week and he was able to come visit. And I was like, gonna tell him everything and he came and he had a friend of ours there with him and i just couldn't do it i just couldn't do it so he left and like that whole next week and all of my meetings i just talked about how i needed to come clean to him like that's one of the things you realize is you write you're keeping track of all these things and all these things you've done and all these people you've hurt and it's all just coming like it's becoming more clear in your head like all this shit that you have done and and i knew to get anywhere I had to come clean to him more than anything. And so he came to visit me like a couple days before my two week stint was up there. And like, I just knew I had to do it. And I just told him, I was like, I've been doing crystal meth. I've been doing Adderall for years. And it was so hard. Like, I didn't think for an instant he would be like, well, we're done. I'm out of here. Like, but he's like, I had no idea. Like, I thought you were in rehab because you smoked too much pot. <laughs> I was like, that. I don't think that's a thing. Maybe it is, <laughs> but most people don't go to rehab just for, you know, being a big pothead. But, but I know it can also, you know, I was down. I was a shell of the person, of the soul that I was. Like, I, the person he met, I was not that guy anymore. I, I didn't have that same spirit. And so I think that automatically, you know, explained a lot. I'd been arrested earlier in the year for like this car issue I had, but they found Adderall in my car. I didn't tell him that part. So I just came clean about everything. 
And I'm so glad I did because like right when I got out of rehab, a detective had contacted him because they were looking for me for not paying, not coming to court for this Adderall charge I had because I wasn't reading the mail and I thought I got swept under the rug. I truly was like that ignorant. And and this detective like reached out to my husband and was like, we're looking, you know, for Brandy Joe, plan back, like, you know, do you know where he is? And so two days out of rehab, here I am thinking like everything's great. And Joe's like, by the way, a detective call me, they need you. And I, then all of a sudden I was worried I was going to jail. So I'm so glad I came clean because I was able to speak openly and honestly about the court issues I had, which were plentiful. But, you know, I just did the right thing and I was already on my way to recovery. And it really all the court stuff worked out in my favor. I was supposed to be on probation for two years and I only was on probation for one. And it was, I think, a good first year to spend in sobriety was being on probation. You kind of are forced to do the right thing or else you are going to prison. And, and I made it out. And I, I mean, he was very supportive the whole time. I didn't have a car for a while. He drove me to my, you know, the first day I was out of rehab. He's like, you're going to an AA meeting. I know that's what you need. You need to do 90 and 90. So he was just like a huge proponent of my sobriety and just anything I needed. He was there for me in that way. Yeah. That's awesome. And how would you say your relationship and your marriage has evolved since getting sober? I mean, we reconnected, which was huge because, I mean, being in grad school, especially like a theatrical grad school, like I was, like I would go down there at like nine in the morning and get home at like 11 at night. So like we were already disconnected just from that alone, no less like add in an Adderall addiction where I'm doing that a lot as well and therefore spending time like away from him. So we reconnected and we were able to, because there were so many times where like I seemed to be looking for these connections elsewhere when I had this like great connection right in front of me, living right, right with me there all the time, like who had my back completely. And I just sort of lost touch of that. And by no fault of his, it was all me. And I, but I think I don't blame grad school, but that's sort of where it started that disconnect. And it just sort of continued from there. And so over like my time in sobriety, we've just had a chance to get to know each other again. And I think that that has been a, a huge thing. After our last episode, I sort of realized like I hadn't made an amends to him. Like when I got out of rehab, I said, okay, I know I haven't been paying my bills. I know that I was crappy. I know that I did this and this and this. Like, how can I make that up to you? Which was like kind of an amends, but like I was so early, I didn't know what a proper amends was. And after we recorded one of our last episodes, I knew he listened to it. And I just, I was in a meeting and someone was talking about an amends. And I just like realized I had it. I knew I hadn't made an amends to him, but like, I just was like, you need to do that. And like, now is the time. Like he just, he didn't know some of the things I talked about in our episode. So he listened and he was like, wow, I didn't know this and this. And so like, I, I went downstairs after this online meeting and I was like, I need to talk to you. And so, I mean, it was hard because amends aren't easy, especially with someone you love with all of your heart, but I made a true and proper amends to him. And he was just as gracious and, you know, loving is the first time where I gave sort of a half-ass amends, but to do it properly and to really talk through some things felt so good. So I think that, I mean, and I've been sober for four years or something like, I mean, it took a long time to do that amends that was the most important one. Mm -hmm. And so things only get better because I get to, I get to spend time with him. I mean, 
you understand like you and your husband like are super close you have similar interests you have a podcast together like you guys are so adorable oh thank you yeah but i mean if anything like all of that like made like doing the immense process with him like even more nerve-wracking like because we have this whole life together like uh, one thing that i learned in my spray was like if something didn't work out like it wouldn't be like the game over end of the world that i once thought it was when i was like drinking and using and basically just like relying on him to take care of me but at the same time i was like i want our life to work and like i'm doing all these right things right now and it was really interesting because like he was very big on like you know, he, he, he's like, I know most of the things that you've done. He's, he's like, I don't want your amends to be like a list of like every specific single thing because he's like, I don't want to like relive it. I don't need to know all the, t-. he's like, I know enough to like not need to know more. So it was very much more like I, and I worked with my sponsor on like how to like talk about it, but like, it was very much more just like me kind of making almost like vows, like wedding vows of like, well, I promise I'm going to do this today and every day going forward. Like I promise I'll do this. Like I might not have always done it in the past. And even that, like, I mean, he responded great and it was healing and like needed to be said. But I, I like, I feel like even with the broad strokes of the apology, it was like, really rough. I can only imagine if one day he's like, you know what? I do want to hear it all. I'll be like, Oh no. <laughs> and you know what happened? I, I love all of that. Cause I, I feel it in my bones. Like I, I, I really do. I find lots of these things, especially like amends or like doing the right thing. I feel like you feel it in your gut when the time is to do something mm-hmm. and you have to grab it. It's like, it's like going around on, and this is so old school. I don't even know why I know of this. Cause I've never seen one, but like those old school, like merry go round or fair, Merry, merry go rounds and there's like a ring and you're supposed to like reach out and like grab the ring in the middle i've read about it in stories i've never okay. seen one but it's a it's a thing like you reach out and if you grab the ring you get to like keep it i think i don't know it's such a weird example to use but i've heard about this and it, that's sort of what it feels like that moment when you're supposed to do the right thing when you have a phone call you should make when you need to make an amends when you need to make an appointment when you need to take care of something that's just hanging out in your brain. So you got to grab it and do it. Otherwise it just festers in it and then you'll forget about it. And then eventually it's going to like haunt you in your dreams again. Mm -hmm. And so I, I find when those moments come, the important thing for me to do is grab them and actually like handle them. Yeah. It's been a huge part. I couldn't agree more. Now I'm like episode title, just grab them. <laughs> <laughs> now, if a listener is struggling in their marriage and sobriety, like what kind of advice would you have for someone? I mean, I, it sounds so simple, but I mean, communication I think is huge. It's what I lost track of in my marriage and why it got so rough there is I wasn't communicating because I mean, secrets, they just like, turn into like ugly weeds in your head and then they turn into like ugly monsters. And I mean, it's just, that's not good for anyone. So you just got to handle them. And if you need to first talk to your sponsor, like you talked about, or a therapist, like about what you want to speak about, I think that can be helpful if it's something you're scared. Like, I don't know how I'm going to talk about this. I promise you talking about it and getting it out of your head and taking that like coat of like barbed wire and like unwrapping it from your soul is just going to make you feel so much freer. So that communication I just think is, is so, so huge. And I mean, I'm not like an expert in anything truly, but like if you, 
if you're struggling in your marriage, again, talking to someone because maybe you're not with the right person. If you're with someone who's not being supportive of you, who's bad for your sobriety, then maybe you don't need to be with that person. But I mean, again, I'm not saying like if you're in a bad marriage, like you should leave right now, but you should examine that with someone who is somewhat of an expert and find out are, you know, you may know in your gut as well. Like I was talking about that gut feeling. You may just know like this person's not healthy for you. And so I think communication is great, but also just like trusting your gut and doing what you need to, to be your freer best self. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree. And lastly, while we've talked in general about marriage, the most of the episode, if someone is in generally struggling with their sobriety, do you have any new or fun, like hobbies or things you're doing that help keep you sober that you want to share? I mean, for me, it's been reconnecting. Like I talked about my friend, James, we reconnected recently. And, and I mean, what was so great there is there's like this sort of community that comes with our friendship. There's this group of people that James, he's really great about community. And he has just like this whole group of great friends. And when we sort of disconnected, there was that that void in my life. I didn't have a bunch of sober friends again, because I just didn't want to you know, it felt weird. It sort of felt like, you know, divorced parents and like, you know, picking a side and things like that. I didn't want anyone to feel like that. So I just removed myself. It was like what I was talking about, like when in my active addiction, like, but within our friendship and it's just been so great. We've reconnected because, you know, we both were just like, we're friends. Like what, what the hell's going on here? We talked things through and, and, you know, reconnecting, going on this, like, kayaking trip together. Even last night, we just went to downtown Detroit. There were, like, nine of us. And everyone was, like, sober, all in the program. And we just, like, wandered around and just, like, tried to find a place to eat. Everywhere was full. But it was just so fun. We just, like, wandered around the city together. And so, like, again, that sort of communication, I feel if you're struggling in sobriety, to find someone to talk to, to go to meetings, if that's the one way, to find a friend, to find a sponsor, to find someone that, again, getting out of your head and being around and talking with other people can be, especially people who know exactly what you're going through, because you may think no one can understand what I've gone through, but I guarantee you that's not true. I guarantee you that everyone has shared, not everyone, a lot of people have shared very similar experiences to your own. And so finding people to relate to you and to be able to get things out off of your chest. And it just, it takes such a load off. So I I think communication, talking and sharing what's going on in your life is huge. Yeah. Excellent. And just a refresher for our listeners who are just turning into this episode for the first time, where can they find you? I mean, probably the main place is Instagram. You might tag me in this post, but my account name is Brandy Joe Plan B, which mm-hmm. my last name is Plan Back, so it's just shortened. But it's B R A N D Y J O E P L A M B Y. And if you like horror, you can also follow us on Instagram. Scaring is sharing, all one word. Or find us wherever you podcast, along with Gay AA podcast. <laughs> yes, perfect. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you so much. Now stick around because we're going to head over for our Patreon family after show. Oh my Um, God, it's going to be so juicy. And can I just say, I would strongly encourage anyone listening 
to join the Patreon. It is awesome. There's like different levels. It's fantastic. And this after show is going to be fire. So (laughs) (laughs) excellent. Well, you can do that by heading over to patreon.com backslash gay a podcast. Meanwhile, if you're interested in sharing your story or following me on Instagram, I'm at gay a podcast and be sure to follow us wherever you're listening. So you can get new episodes when they come out each Thursday until next time. Stay sober friends.